Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Astrology Now podcast. My name is Christine Rodriguez, and in this segment, we are going to talk about the upcoming new moon in the sidereal sign of Pisces, as well as some other astrological events that I think are pretty important and are going to be affecting the world around us as well as us on a personal level. Before we get started, I like to remind everyone I use the Vedic sidereal system of astrology, which is different than the Western tropical system. You can go to my website, innerknowing.yoga, click on media and then astrology now, and you will find a podcast embedded there that shares a few of the differences between the Western and Vedic system. So let's go ahead and talk about this upcoming new moon. So first and foremost, again, the new moon is going to be in the sidereal sign of Pisces. And I always say genuinely, and I believe this, that transits just look better in Pisces. I feel like if the constellations were a wardrobe, I just really like the way that planets look in this constellation, in this outfit. Whenever they move through, I just think that they um, they just seem a little bit brighter and a little bit more beautiful, but perhaps I'm just biased. So, so there's that. There's this beautiful element to it. Pisces, of course, is a sign of mysticism and spirituality. It is the final sign of the zodiac. And so there is this connection to endings and beginnings, liberation, moving from one realm into the next. And so we'll spend quite a bit of time talking about this. And in the Vedic system, when we have a new moon in Pisces, this is the Vedic new year. And so it happens every year around this time. And what we do as astrologers is we draw up a chart for the new year, um, for you know, for the United States, it would be Washington DC. And we can use this chart to make certain predictions around the world. And so we're going to spend some time talking about the chart for the Vedic new year. We're going to talk about Mars in the sign of Gemini and Rahu and Venus (laughs) conjoined, which I did a post on, um, Instagram on astrology now underscore podcast, my Instagram account. I did a post there on Venus and Rahu as well. So some of that information will likely be redundant if you follow me there. But anyway, I am so interested to know how everyone is doing. Obviously, depending on our birth charts, all of us are going to feel different. But to be completely honest, and I don't even know if I've shared, I don't even know if I've shared on this podcast or not. Um, this has been such a weird period of time. I went through about two years ish of pretty much stability. Like my life was very stable. Things were very consistent. Things felt pretty good. Like nothing is ever perfect. There are always some, like there's always some turbulence and ups and downs and things like that, but it was pretty stable and like kind of boring and like nice. (laughs) And in the last several months things. And I, I know why astrologically for my chart. Um, and so I am having a chart that would denote this. So I probably shouldn't be acting like I'm surprised or something, but things have just been really like, Oh my gosh. It's like the wheel of fortune card 
if you're familiar in tarot, it, it represents like a change of events. And usually it's a fortunate change of events, but I just feel like that every couple of weeks or even days, like something happens that kind of drastically changes either my perception or the trajectory that I'm on. And it's been a really amazing experience. It's been a very fantastic spiritual experience. Um, one, because it's highlighting how much more work I like really need to do. I mean, all of us are needing to do work constantly, but it's like helping illuminate the areas of my life that I really need to focus on. And it's also very humbling and something that I've been considering, and perhaps this will help someone somewhere as well, is going back to what my teacher Swami Chidananda has told me before, that we're only upset if we perceive something to be wrong. So if something happens in our life and we get upset or we get distraught or we try to cling to it, it's like that suffering is happening because of how we are choosing to perceive it and experience it and relate to it. If we approach the world as if every single thing that's happening is not wrong, you know, it's almost like neutral or okay, <laughs> we're going to move through life in a much more smooth way. And I've been able to really apply that philosophy or I've had, rather, I've had the opportunity to really apply that philosophy. It hasn't necessarily been easy because I'm a person and I cling to things that I want, <laughs> but I... I think that it's great when these experiences happen because it's kind of like running in sand for the spiritual development. And so it's been kind of fun to watch these unsettled feelings arise, these desires to cling arise, uh, the pining for stability or pining for almost like mundane, boring. I'm kind of like, wait a second. I liked the way it felt <laughs> when nothing was changing. Um, and it's, it's been really nice to just kind of allow things to be changing drastically and things, you know, to feel kind of like out of my control and sit in that humility of not being the queen of the universe and not being able to control external factors and just witnessing and doing the best that I can in each moment to act with strength and with love, which is something my friend and teacher has told me before, Selena, she's like, always act with love and strength. If, if I can't do anything else, act with love and strength and try to combine those two things. So that's, what's been going on with me. Mm, it's been, again, it's, it's like, if you're one of my best friends listening to this, y'all know, I haven't been <laughs> having an easy time. Y'all are probably listening to this. Like, oh, she's playing it off as if she's fine. I, <laughs> <laughs> things have been hard, right? But it's also been, again, such such a profound opportunity to practice and also a profound opportunity to see my support systems, you know, and, and to really feel grateful for the people in my life who support me and are there with me. And so anyway, I'm extending this to you all because I think a lot of people are going through some turbulence right now and going through some shifts or changes or transitions and is it possible to relax a little bit more, to remember that we can't always control the external reality, but we can always control how we choose to perceive a situation and how we choose to interact with a situation. And so is it possible in our lives right now with whatever is going on, with whatever we're moving through, can we just make the conscious choice to approach it with strength and love and in a way that is true to ourself 
and not abandoning ourselves. And I had heard this, and I was talking about it with my friend Vianney last night, this concept that when we are truthful and when we are honest, we ourselves create no chaos, right? And that's that dharmic perspective. When we are honest with ourselves, when we are honest with others, when we are very true to what it is that we want and what it is that we're thinking and, and what it is that we're feeling when we're honest about that and upfront about that, we are creating no chaos. Any chaos that unfolds is a byproduct of, of something else, you know, someone else, etc. The external world will respond as it will. But the best that we can do not to create chaos in our own life or chaos for others is to be honest and to be truthful and to operate from that place of dharma. Um, yeah, and I guess I'm mentioning that because I've had this opportunity to really choose myself recently, which has been interesting. But anyway, I, I'm digressing. Again, I hope that this was helpful to someone somewhere. I'll probably touch back on some of these concepts as we move throughout this podcast. So... Starting with the new moon in Pisces, our new moon is taking place on March 21st, 2023, around 1238 PM central time. And so depending on where you are in the world, the exact new moon is going to fall at a different time, right? But here in the United States, March 21st, 2023, around 1238 PM is when we will have our Vedic new year. <laughs> and so if you've fallen off the wagon with your new year's resolutions, or you're forgetting about your goals and ambitions or prioritizing yourself, whatever it may be, this is a great opportunity to kind of come back to that. And so the, again, what makes us the Vedic new year is the fact that we're having a new moon in Pisces. And so the moon will be in the sign of Pisces. Of course, it will be conjoined the sun. And as I mentioned earlier, Pisces is the sign of transcendence. It's the most spiritualizing sign. It is the final sign. It represents liberation from material reality. But the interesting thing about the final sign of the zodiac is that it also relates to disillusionment. It relates to almost like intoxication, not being able to see things clearly because the sign of Pisces, it wants to escape the mundane. And that can either be through spirituality, meditation, other realms, energy work, mediumship, you know, that's very Piscean, but it can also be through intoxication or drugs and having um, other, maybe like psychedelic experiences as well. Someone who I'm thinking about is actually Ram Dass. He, uh, he had Sun and Ra, who I believe in Pisces. It's a good example. He did a lot of exploring other realms with his meditation, but then also his um, psychedelic experiences too, which were kind of the dawn of his spiritual experience. But I'm sharing this because this new moon it is a profound time to meditate, to start a daily meditation practice. And there may be this quality of wanting to escape. There may be some escapism that comes up. It could be an intense feeling. It could be a situation, but there may be an event that kind of highlights our tendency to want to move away from discomfort or reality you know, of what we're experiencing. And so it's a great opportunity to remind ourselves that nothing is wrong, right? Is it possible to kind of settle in discomfort 
Is it all right to approach discomfort with a new perspective? Not trying to fix it, not trying to mend it right away, not trying to change it right away, but allowing yourself to be curious and to really be with yourself in those moments. I think that that's really where a lot of healing can happen, but there's also going to be this desire to escape. So there may be this desire to um, drink alcohol or do drugs or do other things. I mean, all of us have various ways of escape. It could be shopping, it could be gambling, whatever it may be. And so just notice if that comes up and really try to replace it with something positive that's going to really nourish you and fulfill you. The moon is going to be in the nakshatra of Uttara Bhadrapada. So remember, we have our zodiac sign of Pisces, and then we have three nakshatras. We have Purva Bhadrapada, Uttara Bhadrapada, and Ravidi. And so this new moon is in Uttara Bhadrapada, and this is the latter half of the funeral cot. I spent a lot of time talking about this. I believe it was the podcast before last, March's Horoscope. But the Bhadrapadas, it's all about seeing through the illusionary quality of life. And in the Vedic tradition, this is referred to as Maya. Maya is the illusionary quality of material reality. Our tendency as humans to see something and think it is forever. To come to the conclusion that it means something, that it represents something, that it's ours, that it has some sort of meaning when in reality, in this existence, everything is constantly changing and transforming and evolving. But that desire to cling to something or label something or attach to something, as we know, is the root of what makes us suffer when we cling to something without allowing it to change because we live in an intrinsic, ever-changing world. So we can't cling to things because it's going to change. I mean, we could cling to things, but it's going to hurt when it starts changing, right? And so anyway, so Maya is this illusionary quality of material reality. Uttara Bhadrapada and the Bhadrapadas in general, they desire to burn that tendency away, to burn through the illusionary quality so that we can see what is real with a capital R or what is true with a capital T. Being able to see what is infinite beyond the tangible. So it's a very spiritualizing nakshatra, but it's also a very intense nakshatra because it is purifying, right? And in its fire, it's associated to that fire of purification, which can kind of strip things away so that we can see the reality. And there's a lot of theme around this this month is seeing the reality, illusions being debunked, seeing things as they are. And so it can be very deeply spiritualizing for us on a personal level with any type of personal work we're doing or transformation work we're doing. But in the world at large, I do believe that things are going to be revealed. One of the symbols for Uttara Bhadrapada is a serpent of the deep. It's like this, this serpent moving through the deep waters. And the symbolism of that is literally diving deep, finding things out, finding out secrets, discovering things. I think that this month we're going to be seeing things in a way that perhaps we have not seen them before. Or, you know, some of y'all may have already seen them and then just kind of comes to light and it becomes a little bit more of a mainstream thing or more people, you know, gain awareness around it. So I do think that this is a very intense period of time. I do think that a lot of information is going to be coming out around this new moon. And when I say information coming out, I mean like 
secrets coming to the surface or information that may be surprising coming to the surface, secrets even. And that could also pertain to our personal life or as I mentioned earlier, personal development. You know, you could be having a coaching session or a therapy session or doing some journaling and then something kind of bubbles up and you're like, oh my gosh, this is what it was, right? So we may be more prone to those types of realizations. And I do think that as I mentioned, I do think that this will be a more intense new moon. So emotions may run high. There may be a lot of sensitivity. It's an opportunity to sit in the fluctuations with neutrality and not trying to attach ourselves to a way of being or attach ourselves to emotion because the ups go up, downs go down. We can't get attached, right? We have to try to stay in this place of equanimity whenever those fluctuations arise. This is all a reminder for myself as well. <laughs> I am also here with you all. So when we're looking at the chart for the Vedic new year, as I mentioned earlier, sun and moon are conjoined because that's what creates a new moon. And then in addition to that, Mercury is in Pisces, Jupiter is in Pisces. And this is in the 10th house of the new year chart. Remember that this chart is going to be applicable for the entire year to see how things are going to go, what may transpire. The 10th house is the house of authority, of business, leadership, career, you know, like work. So I do, I mean, of course, I see there being a huge emphasis on the economy. I do see there being a lot of emphasis on leadership as well as values, ethics and groups, and for a few reasons, but Y'all can't see the chart, so I'm just going to kind of share what I'm seeing here. So Pisces is endings and beginnings. So I do see there being some changes continuing in regards to leadership, but also in regards to what we want as leadership and specifically for the United States, of course. And there may be a lot of information coming out about leadership because of what Uttara Bhadrapada is all about. So a lot of change and transformation for the government, a lot of change and transformation for our leaders. I do think there's going to be this huge focus on um, the economy and then also on the ethics and value system. And of course, I also see there being a lot of focus on groups, communities. Venus and Rahu are conjoined in the New Year chart. And I had mentioned this in the New Year's prediction. Venus, of course, is all about relationship and intimacy, and it also has to do with sexuality. I think there's going to be a lot of stuff happening with relationships. It could be celebrity relationships, but then also in our personal lives, just a lot going on, a lot of drama, perhaps. People learning a lot about themselves through intimacy and connection. Um, there could be some new breakthroughs with art and creativity, because Venus is so closely associated to fertility, there may be a new approach to fertility. There may continue to be this focus on reproductive health and reproductive rights. Um, there could be new methods of birth control. I read an article recently about like male birth control coming out. I thought that was very interesting and very on par with what I was kind of seeing for the year. Um, and it could also be new methods of becoming fertile, like IVF or breakthroughs with IVF. I also think that we should be noticing what's going on with fertility rates and, and fertility in general. I think it'll be perhaps, perhaps I could be wrong, but it could be like a theme or something like that. But again, any of those 
concepts that were just discussed, I think will come up. Venus is also a very independent, or excuse me, Venus in Aries is a very independent placement. And so we'll talk more about that here in a moment, but just kind of wrapping up with this new year, um, a lot of, you know, a lot of these changes, a lot of information coming out. And I think that, I think that there is going to be this focus on, again, on leadership and what we have expectations around in regards to leadership. And perhaps that's going to be shifting and changing in insignificant ways. And as I mentioned, there could also be some of this information coming out. Mars is on the ascendant for the new year. Um, in the nakshatra of Mrigashira, Ardra is the ascendant nakshatra. And so this also kind of contributes to that intensity. I do think that there's going to be some sense of restlessness. And for the United States, I think that there will be kind of a theme around obstacles coming up and then having to work through them, obstacles coming up and then having to work through them, um, trying to maintain power or trying to maintain dominance in some way. And I don't, I don't see it. I personally don't see it being super easy. I've heard other people interpret this as more of a, of a positive, easy chart. I, kind of see this as being a little bit of a, of a challenging chart. I see there being positive attributes to it. I just think that there are going to be a lot of these shifts and changes. And, you know, when our leaders are going through shifts and changes, and if our leaders are having a hard time or feeling pressure or stress, usually it reflects on the masses. So that is a brief interpretation. I will likely do a class on this on Patreon, patreon.com slash astrology now podcast. And Speaking of, if you are interested in learning Vedic astrology, I have a course coming up. I am teaching a fundamentals course for Vedic astrology. It's the first fundamentals course I've taught in so long. I'm so excited. I love teaching astrology. Um, I'm using the platform Kajabi. So the way that it works is we'll meet, we'll do the class together live, and then I'll upload the recording to Kajabi for you all to access. I'd gotten some questions about that. So if you're wanting to register innerknowing.yoga offerings, it should be the first link. I would absolutely love to see you there. And we will likely talk about the new year's chart at some point in that class. If everyone wants to, of course, I tend to be pretty diplomatic in those and let you guys kind of help facilitate what we look at. So anyway, that is the Vedic new year chart. That is the new moon. Remember that the new moon is a time of setting intentions as well. So around March 21st, it could be a sweet opportunity to set some intentions for yourself with, with that energy of Pisces in mind. If you are trying to move through kind of like a big portal or a big shift or see things, um, in a new way or change your paradigm around something. This could be quite powerful. And because it's about endings and beginnings, if you're trying to really let something go or shed something for your betterment, this could be a profound opportunity to do so. And all of us have different intentions. And so whatever, whatever is coming up for you, whatever you're working towards, just remember that you have this opportunity and it is with Jupiter and Jupiter is a blessing. You know, it's going to help things kind of grow and expand. So definitely take advantage. So looking at Mars and Gemini, I've gotten a lot of questions about Mars and Gemini. Mars is the planet of aggression, war, right? Frustration, irritability. It's the planet of heat, inflammation, but it's also a planet of passion, 
feeling inspired, feeling courageous, feeling bold. I personally love Mars and Martian energy. I think it's so fun. Um, I was actually reflecting on this the other day, like all of my close friends have something significant with Mars in some way. It's so funny. I love it. I love that passionate, fun energy. So Mars, even though it is a natural malefic and it does bring about some of these frustrations and it does bring about conflict, it has so much amazing potential as well. Gemini is an air sign, right? Gemini is about communication. It's about information, traveling. It has to do with the media. So anything that we see on social media, YouTube, texting, even mail, like all of this is Gemini and traveling like air travel or, you know, getting from point A to point B. This is a very Gemini type of thing. And again, education, teaching, learning, sharing information, anything that we see on the media, Fox News, CNN, whatever it may be, this is related to Gemini. There is this really profound mental dexterity (laughs) with Gemini. It's very fun and enlightened humorous as well. Now, Gemini is ruled by Mercury. Mars and Mercury are not notoriously friends. So there's potential here. There's a profound potential with Mars combining forces with Gemini. There is this ability to take your ideas, your creative concepts and materialize them. Mars can give us the power and the organization, the discipline to construct and materialize these creative concepts that we've had, or again, ideas that we've had. So if we've been wanting to write a book or a blog or create something in regards to Gemini, so a course, a program, again, like a book or something on social media, whatever it may be, this could certainly give you the ambition and the motivation to do so. It could also give a lot of energy around the physical body with like dancing or martial arts, martial activity. If you've been thinking about learning how to do a new skill, I had someone recently tell me that they're taking rock climbing classes, which is amazing. I've been climbing for like 10 years. I love rock climbing whenever anyone gets into it. I'm so stoked. Anyway, Mars and Gemini can kind of give us that energy and that passion to do something, but it creates this restlessness as well because Gemini inherently is restless and Mars is energy. So it can stir up a restlessness and it can also stir up kind of an aimlessness. So for some of us, we may be able, depending on how it's falling in our chart, we may be able to channel this energy and capture it and create something. For others, we may feel a little bit more scattered, a little bit more distracted. It may be a little bit more challenging to make things concrete. So if that is the case, if you have this creative idea, or if you have something that you're feeling excited and passionate about, just try to do small steps every day. Try not to get lost in the details or debilitated by options because Gemini can have that like overwhelmed kind of energy where there's just too much floating around. So try to write things down, get them organized, take small steps every day. That's really going to help during this period of time for sure. And also, of course, first of all, just talking about the dates. Hold on. I have this written down. If you hear paper rustling, I'm sorry. Yeah. So Mars is going to be in Gemini from March 12th until May 10th. And so during this period of time, while Mars is in Gemini, it's also going to move through different nakshatras. 
And so first Mars will be in Mergashira. It will be in Mergashira until March 27th. And then it will enter Ardra from March 27th until April 22nd. And then it will enter Purnarvarsu for the rest of the transit. And Mars will be in Purnarvarsu later than May 10th. I think it'll be like May 16th, but in Gemini, it'll be May 10th. So again, Mars is in Gemini from March 12th until May 10th. So that's really uh, the dates to keep in mind, I believe. But from now, when you listen to this until March 27th, there is going to be a lot more of that kind of restless energy and things may feel a little bit more scattered. You may feel a little bit more distracted than usual. Once Mars enters Ardra from March 27th until April 22nd, I think that there will be a lot more ability to kind of harness the Martian energy in a positive way, in a way that feels constructive. But I do think that this is when globally things are really going to heat up. So let's talk about the global aspect. So Mars and Gemini, the entire world is connected through media, right? We know what's going on. Well, we know, quote unquote, what's going on in other countries because of the media. This is a Gemini related thing. So when Mars is in Gemini, it's going to heat up relationships in the world, you know, I think that there may be more propaganda than usual. There may be messages that are a little bit more intense. There may be more controversy that we are seeing on the media as well. There could be mixed messages. I saw that they're threatening to, I don't have a TikTok. I don't even know really how to use TikTok, but they're threatening to ban TikTok here in the United States unless, you know, China decides to work with us in some ways. Like this is such a Mars and Gemini type of thing. TikTok is so Gemini. <laughs> Mars and Gemini, US is threatening to ban TikTok. Is that going to happen? I don't know. But, you know, there's frustration here. There's irritability. So this could be more of, of what we see, but I really think there's just going to be this emphasis of frustration and irritability spreading through communications and the media. I think it will impact travel. This is definitely a time to be a little bit more mindful traveling. There could be some delays or losing luggage in some way. There could even be issues with technology too that we need to be mindful of. And it's a super important time, super, super, super important time to remember that what we see is not always real. What we see, the propaganda, the messages, any information, things are not always how they appear to be when presented on the media. And I think this is a very important time. The United States has several planetary placements in the sign of Gemini. So as Mars moves through this sign, there is going to be more heat. There is going to be more tension. You know, I've been saying this, other astrologers have been saying that the month of March is going to be a little heated and a little intense. And part of that is because Mars is in Gemini. And so when Mars moves through Ardra, March 27th to April 22nd, I do think that this is going to be a period of, of some intensity that we're going to want to be mindful of. And this is moving towards eclipse season as well, because we have that eclipse season coming up towards the end of April. So all of the events culminating now is leading to a bigger event, in my opinion. And this could be happening in our lives too. There could be something happening in our life that's kind of culminating and it's been brewing and it's been taking up our attention and making us focus on it. And it's going to be culminating. And then when eclipse season comes, something is going to happen. There's going to be some type of clarifying event because eclipse season can kind of bring something to light in some way, 
right? First it fragments and then it creates clarity. So notice that in the world around us, notice that in your personal life. So eclipse season is coming up. I'm so excited to talk about it. I'm so excited to see what ends up happening. I, I can just feel it. I can just feel that something is going to happen. Um, I'm, I mean, I know in the world something is going to happen. And then my personal life, I can just kind of feel deeply and viscerally that something big is going to shift. And so I will let you all know what happens when it does because something's going to shift. So the last thing I want to talk about is this Venus Rahu conjunction. So Venus entered Aries on March 11th and will be in Aries until April 6th. Aries is a very independent sign. There is the focus on the self and the individual. It is the first sign of the Zodiac. So it's like the baby of the Zodiac. And so there's this kind of immaturity to it, but also like a fun energy, kind of a silly energy, but a lot of focus on the self. If we've ever spent a lot of time with little guys, like little kids or babies, they think about themselves a lot. It's an evolutionary process. So they have to be kind of selfish. Aries is similar. Aries spends a lot of time focusing on the self and personal development. That is the karma of Aries. Independence, focus on the self, being motivated and inspired and pioneering and adventurous and bold. This is the energy of Aries. Venus rules the sign of Libra. So Venus is about other people, you know, like Venus is about intimacy and love and coming together. It's like in order to love, there has to be something to love. So there's automatically this reference to the other when we think about Venus. When Venus comes into Aries, I think it's so fun because Venus is also what we find love in. And so it gives this very bold, courageous attribute to Venus. We may be a little bit more prone to seeking adventure or doing something courageous and finding joy in it. So again, I personally think that this is a really fun placement, but when it comes to intimacy and love with other people, it can cause a little bit of friction. Um, because there's such a strong independent nature. So all of us should be a little extra mindful of being maybe a little bit too self-centered, a little bit too self-indulgent, a little bit selfish in regards to relationship. We may have to just work a little bit harder to deep to be diplomatic and understanding and compassionate during this period of time. On the plus side though, this is absolutely passion inducing. It's exciting. It gives the opportunity to have fun and excitement in regards to relationship. Venus is going to be with Rahu and Uranus. So for some of us, depending on our birth chart, this can absolutely bring in some sort of new, exciting love interest. It can definitely spark some some whirlwind passion for sure, but we want to be really mindful because things may not be as they seem. Rahu creates like a foreign element, a different element. So Venus and Rahu together, it can make us attracted to someone who perhaps we're not typically attracted to someone who's very different than us in some way, or even from a different culture. But Rahu is also smoke in the mirror effect. So it can create like a lot of, um, disillusionment with people. Things may not be as they seem to be. We may be more prone to projecting an idealistic view of someone during this period of time. It could also be that we run into someone who isn't super clear about their intentions, but maybe there's a lot of passion and excitement. 
So again, in regards to love and romance, it's definitely a time to stretch ourselves, to be more diplomatic, understanding, remember to give other people space and room. It is a time to be extra mindful of being selfish or self-centered. It can certainly happen. On the plus side, it can bring a lot of passion and energy and romance into relationship. And it's an amazing time to focus on personal development and personal goals. If we've been wanting to change our look in some way or get new clothes, new outfit, if we've been wanting to decorate our home in a new way, if we've been wanting to, again, if there's some goal or milestone that we've been working towards, this could be a great period of time or like cutting our hair, right? Just getting some sort of new look. It is great for enhancing beauty. Rahu and Venus together is fantastic for enhancing beauty and magnetism. So some of us may even be feeling more magnetic. We may meet someone who's very magnetic, right? It creates this very powerful, strong, electric energy. It's there. It's around us. We just have to be careful to see it for what it is and not get too enchanted. (laughs) So when people have Rahu and Venus in their birth chart, I, you know, it's... It's a double-edged sword because it creates a lot of beauty. If you've met someone with Venus and Rahu together, they tend to have this natural gravitational pull towards them. They tend to know naturally how to dress or how to present themselves. And they can, again, just be very, very charming and very beautiful. But there can be some relationship stuff because we're taking the karmic note of Rahu and we're putting it with Venus. So usually there's some sort of theme and, and karmic theme around intimacy, love, sexuality, and things like that. So when we have it in transit, it's similar. We need to look at it the same way. Great opportunity for abundance, beauty, manifestation in this way. Again, feeling ourselves, feeling confident, changing our look, feeling you know empowered. And we want to be mindful of some of this karmic stuff that might be coming up in regards to intimacy. Globally, because Venus has to do with diplomacy, this is definitely, this is going to be an interesting period because think about it as we've been talking about, right? Aries is so independent and it's not looking to serve other people. Libra is wanting to serve and support other people. Um, and so with Venus being in Aries, I do think that we will also be witnessing a lot of this kind of limited, narrow view leaders, people around the world having a hard time being diplomatic, being compassionate, seeing from other people's perspective. And I do think that it will cause some conflict. So again, Venus is going to be in Aries until March or excuse me, April 6th. So we, uh, we do want to be mindful of that. And again, as we journey through this time together, notice what patterns come up, what habits come up, notice anything in regards to relationship. Relationship is a spiritual path. This is the last thing I'll say, and then I'll hop off. I know this is a long podcast, but, and I was, and I was thinking about this the other day. I think that I've spoken about this on a podcast before, but love and intimacy is one of the few things in life that is compelling enough to make us change. When we meet someone, when we connect with someone, it can be compelling enough for us to look at ourselves in a more realistic way to take ownership of our faults, to try to change ourselves, to try to evolve, to be better. A lot of the time, the catalyst of deep change and evolution happens because of love or relationship. 
And for better, you know, rather it be a painful experience or a really beautiful experience or a combination of both. Usually I think it's a combination of both, but love and relationship acts as this catalyst. We, as we come into contact with one another, rather it be intimately, platonically, familial, like on a familial level, we are literally each other's opportunity to grow. And I think that that's so beautiful. And so it's important to approach people in our lives Again, any type of connection, intimate partnerships, as our teachers, as our opportunities to see ourselves more clearly, to take more ownership of our life, and to be better for ourselves and the world around us. And so, as we have this karmic node move close to Venus, there may be some of this karmic stuff coming up. But remember that everything that we feel in relationship, everything that we experience, Taking a step back, how is it happening for us? What is the lesson in it? What is the teaching? How can we grow and evolve with it? So just kind of notice what comes up. Relationship is a spiritual path. It's not supposed to be easy. It's not supposed to be simple. I had met someone recently and they were like, relationship is supposed to be fun and light. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) all right. I don't think so. I think relationship is really, really hard. And I think it requires a ton of work and a ton of effort and a ton of commitment and the willingness to commit ourselves to it every day. And this is any relationship. You know, every day I wake up and I commit myself to working things out with my mother I've had a tumultuous relationship with her, but I wake up every day. I'm committed to seeing her clearly, to not have any unreasonable expectations of her and to love her to the best of my ability while keeping myself safe. That's my commitment every day, even when it's hard and it is hard, right? Anyone who's ever loved anyone knows that it's not easy, but anyway, food for thought, hope that it's helpful. I went on a lot of rants today lots of tangents, been in, been just sitting around contemplating and philosophizing. So hopefully again, it was supportive in some capacity. If you would like to sign up for the fundamental Vedic astrology course that I have, it is innerknowing.yoga. Click on offerings. It's the first link. If you'd like to schedule a reading, innerknowing.yoga offerings, and then readings. My Instagram is astrology now underscore podcast and Patreon where I do weekly horoscopes is patreon.com slash astrology now podcast. Again, my name is Christina Rodriguez. This is astrology now. See you all next week week.